This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Scott Wright of the Daily Oklahoman joins us now when he covers Oklahoma State. Scott, Allen Bowman is back for a seventh year in college football and another year with the Pokes. Um, I was, uh, you know, I did a, a video, it was just a short video, like an off-season recap, and I had foolishly assumed that Alan Bowman was just going to be done because he'd been playing for six years and moving on, and uh, he got the waiver and came back. This is obviously plan A at quarterback for Oklahoma State. Is this the ideal situation for them, or was this just what they felt most comfortable with? You look at what they're bringing back on this team, and particularly on offense, this is really, I think, the ideal scenario. Now, there are a lot of fans, just like there are at every program, who always think the backup quarterback or want to see what the young guy has, the, uh, the you know, what, whichever hotshot recruit is next in line. And there are those people at Oklahoma State right now. But with a, a couple of exceptions, almost all the in- offensive line is back. And then, and then you've got a defense that's, that's got a lot of returning starters and going to be making progress in Brian Dardo's second year as coordinator. This is a team that feels like they've got a, enough talent and enough experience to go and compete for a Big 12 title again next year and and really be a better team than they were this season. So uh, when you factor all of that in, being able to put a really solid and, and reliable player at the quarterback position, uh, he's, not, he's not flashy. He'll put up some big numbers from time to time and uh, you know, he threw a few more interceptions than people would like with 14 and 14 games. But, um, you know, he's just he is a, a really solid guy, a great leader for this team and and a really valuable asset in that quarterback position, even if he's not going to go set the world on fire or, or or make a ton of crazy throws or or those sorts of things. He's just a, a guy that they can rely on and and they know can run the offense the way it needs to be done on, on Saturdays. Scott, what are your thoughts on the defensive side? Guys like Colin Oliver, Kendall Daniels coming back as well. I mean, it seems like they're, uh, to your point, just kind of in general talking about everybody being back in the fold. But what does that mean for uh, Brian Nardo and company and just getting into the groove defensively heading into next year? Yeah, it's really big. You know, we always hear coaches talk about players and the growth that they make from year one to year two. And I think we're going to see that with Brian Nardo as a defensive coordinator. You know, he's been a coordinator for, for several years, but all at the Division two level. So after this year now, he has some, uh, you know, he's a very introspective guy, uh, a, a guy that really enjoys self-scouting. And, and he is going to be locked in the film room, uh, you know, understanding where offenses were trying to attack him and, uh, and, and, and where his breakdowns were in how he coordinated this defense for his first year at the Division One level. Uh, now then you had in, um, you know, you mentioned Colin Oliver. This was his first year playing a, a stand-up linebacker role. He'd always been a defensive end, usually with hand on the ground, coming off the edge. They still used him off the edge, but he was standing up and, and doing some different things and, and playing a more more traditional linebacker type of role. And, you know, Nick Martin was uh, was really the uh, the big surprise of this team, even, even compared to Ollie Gordon, who goes and wins the dope walker on the offensive side. Nick Martin, there was less known about him in preseason than there was Ollie Gordon. We, we, we thought Ollie had a chance to be a pretty talented player, uh, having covered him. So um, Nick was a big surprise at middle linebacker. And, and then uh, you look at, at guys like Kendall Daniels, who, you know, he's playing that, that middle safety 
which is which is critically important in the three three five defense. And uh, you know, he had some some growing pains, and uh, you know, hit some uh, some moments where he was you could tell he was learning. So he should be past a lot of that next season. And, and you know, at six four two twenty, he is a, uh, a a really dangerous player in the middle of that defense and a, and a talented playmaker. Um, you know, so many guys are coming back in that secondary uh, that it uh, it really is going to feel very comfortable to the majority of the guys on the field. Uh, there's only a couple of spots where they're going to have to plug in some some inexperienced or less experienced guys. So uh, it's a, it's a really important off season for Brian Dardo uh, to go into spring and 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 be ready to uh, make the changes necessary to 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 take this team to the next level defensively next season because. He had a really good year, even though his numbers don't necessarily show it. He was really good at adjusting in-game. That was probably the, the biggest strength that he showed this season. Uh, but the overall package certainly needs to get better. They were, uh, you know, they were not a, a top 100 defense in the, in, in the NCAA. So with Gordon and Bowman and Oliver and Daniels and so on and so forth, uh, where does that sort of lead them in, in terms of questions about the roster and guys making decisions? What's left out there, if anything? Yeah, no, not not a lot. Um, you know, there were a couple of guys that that have super senior years available that, that haven't made public announcements. Um, you know, it sounds like both of those guys are going to be coming back. That's uh, you know Corey Black at corner, which there was lots of speculation about where he might end up. Of course, with his little brother being recruited as heavily as he was, that they that they might try to play together for a year. Um, all sorts of things. Yeah, Corey could probably still try to jump to the NFL at this point. I think he's got that kind of talent to be a, a draftable guy right now, uh, but he might want to come back and, and, and finish it out. Um, if he sticks around, that gives you a, a really strong corner on one side and then some, some experienced guys that were kind of rotational players on the other corner. Uh, Trey Rucker, another safety that, that hasn't made any announcement about a super senior year. Um, you know, as far as filling holes, defensive end is going to be the big one. They're, uh, they're going to need to add a, a guy or two in the portal probably. And they've got a few offers out right now. And then outside linebacker where Xavier Benson uh, just finished up his eligibility. Um, you know, he's uh, that's a spot they were going to have to find a new starter there. But they've got some guys that were uh, that were in the rotation that they feel pretty comfortable with if they don't identify somebody who can really come in and be a difference maker. So, um, you know, and, and then uh, and then on the offensive side, really tight end. They just uh, they landed one out of the portal today, a kid from Ohio. And, uh, and, you know, uh, other than that, the, the, the toughest thing on the offensive side of the ball is going to be finding somebody they would like to get a veteran running back. But you're, you know, the guys, you're, you're telling the guy, you're, you're going to come in and back up the best running back in the country for a year at least. So it's going to be hard for them to go into the portal probably and, and get a guy who's, you know, maybe only got a couple of years left to come in and, and be your, uh, be your backup running back. Scott, um, Quarterback wise, after Alan Bowman, he's not um, he's not been the healthiest dude in his career uh, overall. Though he did make it through this year, which was great news uh, for him and the program. Uh, what do they intend to do behind him? Because you see them going and getting a young guy that could step in in twenty twenty five to replace Alan Bowman, or do they, are they happy with the guys on the roster? You know, they're really happy with the guys on the roster. The the big question with the quarterback situation as far as as far as the young guys will be answered in May when the portal opens again uh, because with Alan Bowman's news not coming out until yesterday after the portal had closed you you wonder what that means for a guy like um, Garrett Rangel who is 
uh, you know, he's going to be a redshirt sophomore, but he's the next oldest guy behind Bowman. He's the uh, the only other one with any college experience. And, you know, he'd be going into his third season at Oklahoma State. Uh, you know, he got to start a couple of games in 2022, uh, got a little bit of a taste of things. Does he want to go and, and test the portal? That'll be the question. Zane Flores is a, a guy who just redshirted this season as a freshman that they really like, um, really excited about about what he could be. But, uh, you know, if, if he's if he's getting impatient, he could be he could be a guy that tries to explore something in the portal. Uh, they just signed Maya Luwaki Smith, a really talented uh, recruit out of uh, out of Northern California that that they really like, a big six foot four, two hundred twenty pound guy that. Um, you know, he's, he's, a, he's athletic, but not necessarily a, a running type guy, uh, but more of a, a pocket passer who can move around a little bit. So, um, you know, he's a, a guy that, that they feel like has some potential there as well. So they've got a, a trio of young guys that they, that they really like and are really excited about. We'll just see who decides to stick around after, uh, after they go through spring ball and kind of get an idea of where they stand. So, Scott, they win their bowl game, get to 10 wins, second time in the last three years for the Cowboys. And, uh, I mean, Gundy's now accomplished that a, a multiple times throughout his his long tenure there in Stillwater. That's obviously a big deal to, to get to 10 wins. That's a great mark. But what was it like to see them go and, and face A&M and knowing that, you know, bowl games are – there's a lot of variables in play. You're not, you know, facing everybody at their very best per se. But to see an old rival – um, who's over there in the SEC now to to finish with with ten wins by beating the Aggies? Uh, was there was much to do about that, and just kind of what was the feel about the bowl game itself and getting that win? Yeah, you know there was a lot of stock put in in that ten win mark. That is uh, that is a number, and and obviously you know when you have a season like this, and you play fourteen games. It, it certainly helps your odds of, of getting to ten, but uh, but it's still an important number. You know, it only happened twice in Oklahoma State football history before Mike Gundy did it back in 2010. He's done it now eight times since then. So uh, it is uh, it is an important number and and was really valuable to this program. They were uh, they were really concerned about going and getting that. And, and and obviously the way bowl games have become, if you're not playing in the playoff, it's, uh, the, the bowl game is really kind of a springboard into next season and, and seeing what you've got. And, you know, with so many guys that, that they either knew they were going to have back at that point of the game or thought they would, like with Bowman, um, you know, it was, it was really important to, to kind of have this launching pad into 2024 because uh, it, they, they really have high hopes for what this group can do. Uh, you know, we saw what they were capable of down the stretch in the, in the season. And, um, you know, you add another year all together and, and you have a chance to, to really do something special with this group. So it was uh, an important game. And like you mentioned, Texas A&M, uh, you know, that used to be a, a, a huge game for Oklahoma State when it, was a, when it was a Big 12 game, especially in the Mike Gundy era. So um, really big deal and a, and a really fun one down there in, in, in Houston, which is, um, you know, is starting to, starting to become an area that Oklahoma State's recruiting a little bit more. They kind of quit that whenever A and M left to the SEC, and uh, but then once Houston was uh, was coming back into the league, then it uh, changed their view a little bit of, of maybe going down there and trying to get some guys. Scott, did that, just out of curiosity, because that game was was really controlled by Oklahoma State the whole time. But when A and M started to like chip away, and Marcel Reed started to get a little comfortable, was there a little nervousness in the pit in anyone's stomach that it could get weird? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, you know. When, uh, particularly with Marcel Reed showing uh, some of the skills that uh, that he did, and, uh, you know, taking off and running. Obviously, Oklahoma State was not prepared for a running quarterback coming into that game. 
and uh, and he obviously hurt them a little bit there. But but his his consistency throwing the ball, you started to kind of look up, and he's piling up some numbers, and you're like, this Oklahoma State defense better figure some things out. And um, you know they were able to uh, to do just enough to to hold on, and um, you know Ollie Gordon got going, got him a, a touchdown late, and, and they were able to close it out. But you definitely felt like it could uh, could get a little bit crazy down the end. Absolutely. Well, Scott, thank you so much for jumping on with us. Scott Wright of the Oklahoman. I uh, appreciate the time, Scott. We'll talk to you again soon. This has been a Rogue Media Network production. Wake up! Wake up!